What up? Welcome to a podcast with Mo. I am Mo. This is episode 271. On this episode, I'm joined by Bill. Talk about the Patreon, merch shop, music talk, rock bands, podcasting, the DFW area, aliens, movies, food, streams, games, politics, a bunch of shit. Thanks for checking us out. What up? First thing I'm getting to today is the Patreon, like normal. Nothing's changed. Patreon.com slash a podcast with Mo. can go there, give your hard-earned money to some fuckers here just making a podcast and get early access to that podcast if you give a dollar or more a month. Um, normally, it's uh, three to five days. Oh, no. Uh, if you give enough money, you can be a co-producer like my mother, Hurricane Haynes, Marshall, the Dharma Initiative Bear, it's your boy H2.com and Jackie Daytona, uh, you know, really holding us together, keeping us going. I mean, they're covering all of our hosting costs, um, which is just, I mean, more than, more than can be asked for, you know, there you go. Also, we have a merch shop, shop.spreadshirt.com slash a podcast. You can go there and get cool ass t-shirt where you wear it around people be like "Ooh, what the fuck's that? that's a pretty cool logo what is that and you can tell them all about the podcast you know i should be paying you um if i had the money i would i'm um, all right anyway <laughs> Ho- hopefully those are good good ad reads for myself we'll see if i approve them but what we're doing today is i'm gonna call uh, a new internet friend it's someone i called into his podcast a couple weeks ago so it is a fellow podcaster slash music maker. So I'm sure we'll talk about all that stuff. Um, I believe he's out of, I was going to say Dallas, but somewhere in Texas, I believe. And um, anyway, I called him his podcast. These podcasts are actually going to come out the same day. Mine, me on his, him on me, him on mine. You don't know what the fuck I mean. Smoking. Uh, so anyway, uh, I believe his podcast is called The anatomy on autonomy podcast um, i'm gonna call him bill for now until i ask him what he wants me to call him because i don't know i didn't even i didn't get his name i mean i didn't i got his name but i didn't call him by his name on his podcast so anyway uh let's uh let's just give him a call first thing i had to ask because i just said right before i called you is i was just going to call you bill because i think that i'm pretty sure that's your name but i didn't necessarily call you by your name on the podcast i went on of, of yours <laughs> that's true yeah yeah i could probably not but yeah that's that's me all right, hell yeah! Glad I guessed that. I mean, it's not that hard given your username. Um, and then also, I think a lot of people probably mispronounce your podcast. I'm sure I just did. So, um, what is your podcast, and what is it about? Just so you know, people know. It's the Autonomy Talent Podcast. It's all about just um, talking with cool independent artists, man. Just sitting down and bullshitting about music. That's that's the whole story of it. Hell yeah! And. Um, yeah, so I called in a couple weeks ago, and, and we plan on having these come out the same day. So if anyone's listening to this, you haven't listened to that one, go check it out. And um, yeah, it was pretty good. You basically, I mean, that's it. You just are like talk about music, or the, yeah, we talk about what or what got us into it, and you know what we do, and all that kind of good stuff, man. Just sit down and bullshit about life for the most part. Right. Well, um, how did you first get into music? Oh man, I. 
you know, it's here and there. You know, I was in band and like starting in middle school, but I've always kind of had a passion for it before that. I listened to music a lot and, like, you know, starting off, you know, listening to the stuff my parents listened to back in the early to mid, well, into the late 70s and such until I, you know, into the 80s when I became a teenager and kind of branched out on my own. I discovered some stuff on my own. I was like, oh, okay, and went on my own direction. But, um, you know, from the old stuff like, the 70s stuff like anything from like my mom was into the anything from the bgs to jim croce um my dad was all into credence clearwater revival and some other bands like that so that kind of southern rock sound that was a big influence of mine early on i got my first guitar when i was about 12 and it was a piece of crap that broke on me (laughs) so i got a new one when i was like 15 my grandfather bought me a new martin acoustic one not new he bought it used and i actually still have that one today so well, hell yeah. That, I always thought it'd be really cool to learn how to play the guitar. I don't know how to play any instrument. Um, I'm surprised myself that I can do anything musically because I, I'd done none of it as a child, you know, like I didn't touch anything. Um, and I'm always like super jealous. I just like, it doesn't matter at my school in fifth grade, you got a choice if you want to be in band or PE. And then the coach of the football team was like, really would want you to be in PE if you played football, you know, like that was kind of the feeling. And so I just didn't do it. And then later on when I decided I really didn't want to be in sports, it's like, Hey, can I join band? And they're like, Nope, you missed the boat. And it was like, all right. <laughs> that was kind of how it went. Yeah. Cause you've got to, it's like math. You've kind of got to learn those fundamentals, you know, before you can build up on to get to the next levels. Right. It makes total it's sense. Good. Yeah. It's like not ever taking any math class in like elementary school and jumping into calculus in high school. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I currently what I've been doing for the last couple of years, not regularly. If I had been, I'd probably actually be able to play the piano a little bit. But there's this program called Melodics. And uh, you, if you have a MIDI keyboard, it's basically Guitar Hero, but with a, P, a, key, a keyboard. And uh, they also have like a, a drum pad version. So you can learn that. But to me, I'm like, how would you not just want to do that anyway? Uh, so I've been trying to learn that shit, but I'm I can do certain things. But as soon as it's like your whole hands have both hands have to shift from like the home position. I just yeah. saw like lose it and I just can't do it anymore. And I just, it just red, 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 red on their little app. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> but I really need to work on it more. That's like me trying to play piano, man. I know I've learned enough about theory that I can understand how to build a triad, you know, the, the root and either the major or minor third and then the fifth, you know, is a regular right. triad. And uh, I can sit and figure those out based on the intervals and, Play, play that scale or that chord on the piano, but like trying to figure out from there, like how to move that around and then like change to different chords. I just haven't built up the muscle memory on you know, my fingers. Right. I mean, I tell everyone I can uh, play pretty good in A minor or C major. And then people that actually know music understand that, that just means it's just the white keys. Um, and so if the, yeah, just, just the white keys of that scale. And like, if I just sit here and I'm just, I'm like kind of messing around, making like a, you know, a dumb piano melody to use for a beat. I actually feel like it sounds pretty good. Like I can make something that sounds like super emotional and like, Oh man, that's good. But I'm not, I don't really know what I'm doing. You know, like I don't have any actual, uh, training or knowledge. Uh, but yeah, as far as the triads, I know those, you know, I've learned a few chords here and there and that's all I do in my musical world is I just learn a little bit here and there and, uh, whatever helps me make my music and maybe someday. Cause, and I can maybe actually, I don't know if how a, I don't know where you're at in your music career necessarily, but for me, I notice when I'm not putting out like rap songs, like, you know, things with my vocals on it, I sell more beats or get more attention on my beat store. Cause I also do that. But like whenever, um, 
I'm kind of doing rap stuff. People don't really seem to care about my beat. You know, I can see, I don't know if it's like a competition thing or if I'm just not as focused on the other side. Um, but it seems weird, uh, when you're making music, like I critique music on a, on a review podcast, like I always feel weird about that. Like, I don't know. I do kind of feel like if I ever step back from making it, I would be less biased in my opinions. Possibly. That's why like, uh, you know, when I've, I've done those, I have a artist spotlight episode I do every once in a while and I'll take three tracks from a particular artist and I'll play them and give commentary on them. But I, I don't really critique them. I give my commentary on what I thought about the mix and the, the instrumentation, the vocals, and I just break it down. Yeah. More, more of an analysis than a critique really. Right. I, I, I think, I can easily do a mix. I mean, I can give everyone a mix feedback or critique or thought. I mean, maybe it's not always feedback. It might be great. I'll be like, that mix is fucking great. But, you know, I can always uh, pinpoint that. Like, that's where my ear first goes. It's like, how is this mix? And that is something that definitely changed once I started making beats. Back when I, like, just rapped, that I didn't I didn't know what a BPM was. I didn't know what key, you know, scales. Or I didn't know any of that stuff. And so I didn't think about it. Whereas it now... I'll hear a rap song I'm like, oh, that 808's out of tune. You know, like they didn't do that right. And like it kind of almost ru- will ruin some things for me. I can see that. I can see I'm not that well versed in mixing. I, I've, I've done zero actual <laughs> mixing myself. So, um, but you'd be way more. Uh, so we get kind of in that. Like, so your history, you know, you mentioned the guitar, but you, from what you told me on your podcast, you started with rock music um, and you're a big yeah. rocker. And, um, you know, for me, when I listen to rock music, I don't actually know at all if it's mixed good or not. You know, like I don't know what the rules are necessarily, you know, but I've been listening to hip hop music long enough that I kind of get if that sounds yeah, yeah, on point. But I do know with like rock music, sometimes I'm like, hey, that doesn't sound that good. But someone's like, no, no, that's how it's supposed to sound. You know, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's it's a whole different animal. And I, like any kind of genre is going to have a little different rules into how you mix it down. So. Right. Well, uh I know when I'm at a live place, like I have a friend here in the state of Oklahoma that they, before COVID happened, were touring around um, and I'd come to to some of their live shows and the drums are just so fucking loud when you're at a a smaller venue, you know, but I like it, you know, but whenever you hear like their stuff on a Spotify or whatever, like, oh, it sounds so much different, you know, in an album environment compared to hearing someone live. Um, I've personally never played anywhere live. You know, that's just something I've never done. And so I'm guessing you as a rocker, that's something you do. You've done often, many times. Well, actually, only in the past couple of years, technically in the last year, have I really ever gotten on stage. I hadn't I joined them. I started a band about. Ooh, a little over three years ago now. And it was me and a couple of buddies. We had a, another guitar player and a drummer and the other guitar player switches playing bass, but we didn't have a singer. And we were kind of working up a, like two or three um, covers and trying to work on some original stuff just to try to get in sync, you know. And uh, that never really went anywhere. It kind of fell apart. Right. And then around two years ago, I joined the band I'm with now. But there was a, and that's as trust kills. And there was a bit of a hiatus there. We lost our bass player. So we were kind of like, crap, man, I was the only guitarist in the band. And like, it was just, we were still practicing the three of us, but it wasn't really, it was just kind of biding time until we could find a new bass player and get things going again. And then in October of 2019, about eight, six to eight months after I joined the band, something like that. Um, our, there was a massive round of tornadoes that came through the Dallas area and our practice studio was right in their path. (laughs) Oh yeah. It was significantly damaged. Um, everything was water damaged, but like all of our gear was intact and survived. Some of the stuff got wet. We let it air out and everything's fine. Everything, all of our like 
interfaces and amps and there was a Mac in there and mixers and just everything under the sun and it's all fine. There was like one like little desk that our drummer had sitting back there that was uh, like made out of particle board and it wicked water up into it and it ruined it. But that's the only thing that got destroyed in our space. Well, yeah, that's super we we're lucky, lucky there. Yeah. The fun part is that they got it all repaired and rebuilt, you know, remodeled and all that shit and got it opened back up the week they started shutting shit down for COVID. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> at least being in Texas, uh, you know, I mean, I know I'm trying to remember how all y'all's restrictions went compared to, I feel like Oklahoma and Texas had them about the same. Uh, I don't yeah, think they were similar. There weren't too many differences. I mean, politically we're about the same location, honestly. Um, and I, I remember at first, you know, there was some like, you got to wear a mask, got to shut this down. But I saw some Texas friends very upset about it, but I think they've been pretty much open about like we have for the last six months or something. I don't know. It feels like we've been open the whole time. I don't think Oklahoma ever shut down to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, some stuff did here, but not a lot. And things opened back up, you know, to limited capacity within like, you know, a month or so of everything shutting down, like restaurants. Yeah. Like a month later or so, they could open it like 50% capacity and whatnot. But yeah, yeah. You're right. Restaurants, room was, churches did here as well. I noticed. Yeah, I'm not even I don't, sure about churches here. I know that was kind of hit and miss there on that one. But Right. I think people were still going because they're like, what are you going to do about it? But, you know. Yeah. The world. Um. So anyway, so you're kind of new to the the rock world. Um, do y'all have uh, any like songs recorded as a band, or y'all still have to practice and get ready for that? Because that's that's the other thing. I think that's way different. Um, you know, like I said, I'm gonna just shout out my homie Justin Sheldon of New Time Zones. He's a huge reason why I even make beats. Um, you know, he was like, "Man, you're smart enough to figure this out." And then I was like, "All right, man, I'm gonna try." Uh, but he's a lead singer of this band called New Time Zones. Uh, somewhere around, you know, I think they're out of Stillwater at the moment. And I know they definitely had to shut down during uh, quarantine, but even then when they're working on songs, like they have to practice those songs for forever before they record them for like their real recording. Whereas in me, you know, I make a beat or whatever and I'm like, Hey, I like that beat. And then I just get on my phone and I, I write a verse or two. And then I just get on this microphone in my, my little podcast room and I just kind of spit in here and then I fuck around with it and makes, you know, it just, there's such a lower barrier of entry to like hip hop music these days. I think that's why there's not as many rock bands, honestly, is because you can do it like by yourself in your room. But like for a band, you and your friends have to get together, rehearse, get it like yeah. on point and then like get really ready to record it. You know, and you can't just record in a room because there's multiple instruments unless you're, you know, one tracking every instrument or something. I don't know the process. But yeah, it's it's a long drawn out one. And we haven't actually gotten through all of that yet. Multiple lineup changes. What well, you know? Like I told you, I came on right at two years ago, and we since then we lost a bass player, got a new bass player. He left, and the old one came back, and we've got our another guitar player that was in the band prior to me came back. So now we have the two guitar players set up like we really kind of always wanted. Right. One rhythm, which is I'm primarily rhythm, and and Flip plays the leads, and uh, so we've got the five piece now. We've got the kind of the dream team, so to speak, going. But yeah, you know, you have to, we, our writing process is, is kind of lengthy because we practice like once a week for a couple of hours together as a group. We're all, you know, practicing some at home on our own too, but right. as a group, we're practicing for like two hours a week. And, uh, you know, we run through the songs that we have and those, a lot of them are getting where they're pretty tight. You know, we could probably get in and record several of them right now, but then we'll start 
working on newer stuff, newer material, and somebody will come up with a riff, something they're working on at home or whatever, would just happen to be just jamming, kind of warming up, and somebody will come up with something like, oh, hey, I like that. Let's, let's do that. Do that again. And a song will spring out of that, you know? So, right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, it is a lot more time consuming. You're right. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like it just takes a lot more effort from a lot more people. You know, it's not like. Yeah. A lot of people do a little bit of work to do this song. Like y'all each take a part, but like each per each person, I would say in a rock band is doing as much, if not more work than like the average rapper, you know, I'm um, just saying that. Cause I, I have like, you know, some hip hop listeners and you know, even I would say me, I, I make the beats and stuff. So that I guess I do quite a bit. Cause I do that side of it as well. Um, but even then, like I just lay down the melody, you know, like you're like the rhythm and the lead guitar. I, I'm just like, Oh, I'll, fuck around and make this melody and then oh i'll be the lead too you know i don't know i just think having to find that connection because i've also thought of just uh i don't really know a lot about rock music but i i like documentaries right and i like like um the behind the music stuff and i always just find all that stuff really fascinating and so i'm like the fact that like you have to kind of connect with the person right? like you and for instance those lead guitarists like it couldn't just be any two people I wouldn't think, but maybe it could be. But like, it seems like the chemistry the band has makes like the sound of the band. You know, it's not just the fact like you have the instruments. Yeah, definitely. That, that definitely comes into play. Like some people might be uh, like an expert at like, I can really riff off of this sort of thing, you know, and another people, you wouldn't want too much of that, I would assume, or that would be just all chaos. <laughs> but then also yeah. like you would sometimes want it. So uh, just interesting stuff. If I was better at rock band and guitar hero back when I was in high school, uh, I'd probably be way more to rock music, but I just could not get that pinky going on the fucking rock band controller. Did not have the dominant pinky. I feel you. I still have, a, I still struggle with my pinky playing guitar. I, I use it for stuff here and there, but it's not real adept still even to this day. So. Like right now I'm trying to move it. And it's like, I can't move my pinky without my ring finger moving with it. Like I just don't have dexterity in the pinkies for whatever reason. It just takes a lot, a lot of practice. And like I say, I'm still working at it myself. My biggest thing with playing guitar in a band that I've found, and I'd heard this was the case from people I'd talked to previously, but I didn't realize how big of an issue it was going to be for me was I was used to playing by myself and kind of like I'd have something in my head, not even like notwithstanding, you know, like songs, I, like old songs I was trying to learn, you know, cover versions of, but like my own shit, I'd have a sound in my head and I didn't have drums or anything to go along with it. So I was having to try to make as much noise as I could to try to make the sound come out closest to what I'm hearing in my head. And when you're in a band setting, that does not work at all. You'll be just complete, like you said, chaos. It's just make a whole mess of everything. You've got to lay back a lot when you've got other bands where it just comes off as just muddy noise you've got to lay back and just do what you need to do for your part and let the drummer do his part let the bass player do his part and let the other guitar player you know the vocals fill in where they go and like just right just do you you know don't try to like make too much out of it well it's like that and then like just the way you match up uh which notes and everything everyone's playing and like what scales like you're having a self EQ, like from a producer or mixing standpoint, you know, you could just go in after the fact and you do whatever. But like if say if you're playing live or you're all recording together, like you like you're saying, you don't want to muddy it up. So like you got to stay within your frequency range for for like what you're doing in the mix of the song too. like you don't want to go outside of that. Um, 
don't know, just a lot, a lot of interesting things I don't ever think of because I can't play an instrument. But like now that I've in the last few years been making beats, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a lot to it. Like there's a reason certain bands I heard in high school, like local kids, it all sounded just like garbled mess. It's because they, oh, they just all had a distorter on. And like they all had it cranked up way too. Like, you know, now that I know how to do a little bit of stuff, I'm like, ah, oh, it's starting to make a little sense. Yeah. And it's, you know, you can work in ways, figure out spots when you're working on a song, you figure out little spots where maybe you'll like jump up and hit the harmony note. Like it's usually the five of whatever note the right. other guitarist play is playing and um, things of that nature. And you could, but it takes, you know, multiple times through it to like, oh, let me try this. Oh, hey, that worked. Or hey, no, that didn't work at all. You know, and then. <laughs> so, you work it out that way. And so that's why the song writing process with this all takes, takes a long time. It would be two or three months from the time we first come up with the concept till we have something we're ready to play live. And that's playing live. You know, you can get away with a lot of shit. It's not like a recording that has to be like spot on. So, right. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I like the term writing for music in that sense. You know, I hate using it for myself because I never, you know, when people would ask, like, do you write that song? And I'm like, well, the lyrics. Yeah. And they're like, but it is a terminology for the music as well. But I don't know how to write music. You know, like, I don't know what the fuck the shit is. You know, the old women play at the organ uh, with like the lines and the the symbols. Like, I don't know how to do that at all. Um, so, like, when I sit down and make a beat, I don't think of that as me writing a beat. But whenever, like you, like I said, put all the time into writing a rock song. Like, to me, that is that the word writing makes more sense there. I don't know why, but. It does. I guess I can see that. Um, and a lot of times, you know, like when we're working on a new one, not, you won't even at the moment realize maybe what note you're playing all the time, but you understand the interval, you know, of the scale that you're in. So it, it, you kind of just work within that. You realize that, okay, I'm on, that's the six, that's the flattened two, you know, and that's, you know, whatever it happens to be. Right. Well, and when earlier you mentioned you being solo, where my mind kind of went, because I just try to connect genres a lot. Is like so, like the singer songwriter, you know, like the solo guy with the guitar, he's like the lyrical rapper, you know, or whatever. Like, he's yeah. like trying to go deep. And then the rock band, they're like just the party rapper, you know, like, well, no, we're trying to get the groove and we're trying to, you know, uh, bring the party. That's how I kind of am viewing it in my head anyway. It's a good analogy. So, there you go, kids. Put on a t shirt. Um, so. What else do you do besides music? I mean, I know that's a huge part of your life, obviously, but like, are there any other hobbies or enjoyments you do? Oh, like I tinker with stuff. I like had a project guitar I was working on last year during quarantine. I got this old Stratocaster that I got out and I did a relic project on it. So it looks old and beat to hell, Um, but it just added a lot of character to it. It's really kind of cool. I think at least and everybody that sees it seems to think so. And it's actually the best playing guitar I have now. I'm like, son of a bitch, I didn't expect that. <laughs> right. Well, I saw where um, they sell those kits where, like, you put the street, like, I don't, I don't know the proper terminology for guitar stuff, but, like, the strings in different parts you can put on anything and turn it into a guitar. It's like, I don't know, I saw some uh, TikTok type of video about it the other day. And then people were making guitars out of all kinds of crazy shit, and they acted like it affected the sounds, you know, it was outputting. I'm sure it does. Like I've heard people make like cigar box guitars. Right. That's a popular thing. And people make like little like three string guitars out of a freaking shovel. Just crazy shit like that. You know? Yeah. Oklahoma City, when I was in high school, there was this, uh, I don't think he was homeless, but he was like a street performer and he would have like a little three string guitar. And then like on one foot, he have, you know, like a cymbal and he would like play these little Italian jams in front of this Italian restaurant for people to throw in money or whatever. But I was always really impressed with this little guitar he had. 
I was like, oh man, that's fucking ingenuity. Yeah, I did. Sorry, I was having to get on to my dog. He's trying to go there. He's hearing something outside and barking. I was, had to mute myself for a second. Oh, uh, yeah. We have like a one in four chance, and my dog just out of nowhere starts fucking barking at nothing. So it can happen. Yeah, I think we covered that when you were on my yeah. show. <laughs> I think that actually happened, right? That's why I tell everybody, yeah, he's a recurring guest on the show. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. And um, I do have to, real quick, if people are going to like listen to both our podcasts, I've, I've kind of pushed back, I think, a couple of my homies on your podcast, so um, I'm going to hold it over their head. I know Forgotten One listens to this podcast, so he will be listening to this, so I hope he's one that got pushed back. And then He uh, is. Kid G, I don't know if he listens, but he has an EP coming out using all of my beats that he has to push back, so it makes sense that he would be pushed back. So I hope he's another one. <laughs> they, that's that's the two, man. Like I right. have those two already recorded, and they were going to be the next two, but I, they got bumped back a week, so I could we could coordinate this deal. And it's hilarious because on both of those episodes, I brought up needing to get with you and do this. <laughs> yeah, so they asked for it, honestly, in a way. Um, exactly. Yeah, I That's think get. I think they'll both be all right. Like I said, I think the fact Forgotten One, I don't know. He might have a new release coming out, but he's the homie. So I think he'll be all right with it. But he will. The other day uh, on this other uh, like Twitch music review show, he I was the first song they reviewed. And then he had to wait like hours and he would hit me up and he was like, motherfucker, how'd you get to the front of the line? You know, and so I kind of think it's funny that it's going to happen <laughs> in this podcast and the fact he'll be listening now to this. So it all is good. All good. Well, I, I, in all honesty, I hadn't told either one of them what the order was or what the date was it would be dropping or anything yet anyway. So it's it's not that if we hadn't said anything, they'd have probably never known. Right. Well, we will tell Forgotten One to relax. Um, Chill out, man. So uh, who all do you have you for your podcast? Do you typically let's see, I've listened to a couple of them and uh, uh, we glitched out there for a second. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So for your uh, your podcast, uh, for your music people, what all have you had? And then, like, are there any musical type people you still want to have? So, like, you know, I'm a rapper. So you had rappers. I'm sure I've heard other rappers on your thing. I've heard some rockers, you know, like some guitar players, things like that. So, like, are there any sort of people you're still hoping to get? Good question. I hadn't really thought of it. I really don't even, like, go after anyone in particular. I just find... People that I enjoy, then I think they're doing cool shit, and I have them on the show. And it's, I don't really, you know, I've had a comedian, a couple of comedians now on the show. I've had uh, uh, some, uh, this one like really, really eclectic group that does like everything from like burlesques to like new wave stuff, B fifty twos type stuff to like you know it's, you name it. They're really cool. Um, British rock, three or four different now British rock bands to a pop singer in South Africa and a math rock drummer in Singapore. You know, just everything and under the sun. So. Well, hell yeah. Uh, you know, I'm pretty bad at having new people on, um, mainly because I hate making the cover art. I make I make new cover art for each one, and that's not really the only reason, but that it does factor in. If I can have someone I've had on before, I'm like, oh, that knocks off a step because I already got that art ready to go. <laughs> um. But also, I've hell, whenever I've had repeat guests, and I I used to do new cover art each time. So. Oh well, hell yeah, I probably should, uh, but I don't. Lazy fuck. Uh, that is true. <laughs> and so, you know, for, for me, I've went through a phase because you know we're in like the two. This is two seventy one, I believe, this episode. So I've been going a while. I went through a phase where I used to have like a lot of just um, anybody on, right? Like anyone I was kind of close to on Twitter. But I had quite a few 
just shit episodes, you know? And I'm not like calling them out by name or anybody, but like, they're just some that like, you can kind of tell cause they're a lot shorter of an episode. And, uh, I'll just like, you know, you ask a question and then someone goes, yes. And then like, they don't elaborate or whatever. And you're like, fucker, this is a podcast. You have to like, uh, give me something here, you know? So like, uh, sometimes some people do expect to be interviewed more, you know, and I don't know if I necessarily do a good interview. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I have some questions, but it's like there so we can like, oh, you mentioned, uh, you know, this random topic. Let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, so like I am, I've gotten more guarded. So one thing I've been trying to do, uh, l- somewhat lately is try to have some newer people on, you know, just to restock up the guest list. Cause I like recurring guests, but you got to have them on first before they become recurring. That's true. Those are like I know uh, forgotten one. This is his second time on the show. And then like a uh, karma has been on twice. B funk's been on twice. Mojo moto has been on twice. And I think that's all so far. Yeah. I think I listened to uh, the last moto episode. I believe that was the first one I listened to. Moto's dope, man. I like him. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can say negative about him is he's never sent music into my podcast. And so I have to just secretly hate on anyone who hasn't. But I'm sure once he did. Well, hit him up, man, because I, like, I, I did an, uh, an artist spotlight episode on his stuff a while back. May do it. May do it. Um, something I did today, just because this is random music stuff. Um, there's this website called dailyplaylist.com. If people aren't familiar with it and you make music, you should get familiar with it it can maybe get your music on some playlist but you can submit your playlist to be one of the ones people submit to if you have 100 followers and i noticed my podcast playlist finally has 100 followers so i submitted it became a legit one so i'm going to see if we can have people submit songs to the podcast through that website as well so it might oh, yeah. make it where we get even more songs coming through here. But the risk there is a lot of these people probably don't even know the podcast exists. So even if I play them, they may not share it, you know, but it's like, well, I don't know. We'll we'll try it a few weeks and see what happens. Yeah, I started doing that, too. When I started doing that um, spotlight ser- uh, series on on my show, mm-hmm. I, I did a, spot, a Spotify playlist for it. But it's a completely mixed genre because I've got all kinds of shit on there, you know, so. Right. Um but it, that makes it kind of cool. At least I think so. Some people might not dig it, but like if you find something you're not vibing with, you can skip. You know, it's not that hard. Right. Uh, you know, on my uh, podcast, we play it's mostly hip hop, but I always say we will definitely play alt rock or EDM music. And we've played more pop and even more hard rock music. Uh, you know, if someone sends it and I think it's mixed well, I'll typically play it, you know, because if someone will share a podcast because we play their song, you know, that's worth it to me. And again, being mixed well is a big, is like the only hurdle. And it doesn't have to be like mixed super well. It just has to be like good enough that you don't stand out as like completely way under the bar of everyone else. You know, like I'm like, I kind of want to be all somewhat good. And, um, you know, we had rock band send stuff for a while and then they just kind of quit. We had some EDM people for a while and they quit. But again, I think it just stands to, uh, it's easier to make hip hop music these days because one person can do it by themselves. And it's just a sad, it's very saturated. I don't, uh, I'm, I guess you would know more is, is the rock industry or scene. Is it more sat? Is it also as saturated in this world or is it, do you think there are less rock bands now? You know, it, here in the Dallas area, let me speak to that because that's what I know. Um, 
there is a huge, huge rock scene here. There's also a very huge hip hop scene here. Like where we have our practice room over in Dallas. Um, there are numerous rock bands that play play there or that practice there, but for every rock band that there is there, there's probably five or six producer guys that like if they're making beats, they have different rappers coming through and whatnot. And it's uh it's a big scene here as well, but that's and that's just the natural uh, proportions in general society. So it's not right. to be, that's to be expected. But the rock scene is just—it's been strong here for a long time. You know, like Pantera came from here, Drowning Pool came from here. There were some big name acts have come out of the Dallas area, and um, it's not showing any signs of slowing. It's it's powerful, and there's like literally we could book a show like every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at a different venue and probably do that for between six months to a year and not play the same place twice and not leave the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah. That's bad. People don't know how big uh, the DFW area is either. I mean, I'm massive. I grew up two hours from there. um, So I'm, you know, we would go to Dallas time to time and it's, it is just a huge place. I think because Houston is thought of as being the big, Texas city. And then Austin's very popular. Like as far as like people know of it, I just don't think people think of Dallas that much, but Dallas is fucking massive. It's just, I, I think it's growing. Dallas Fort Worth surpassed Dallas, Fort Worth surpassed Houston about 10 years ago in, in population. We're up to like right at 7.6 million people live in the Dallas, Fort Worth area. Right. And yeah, that, that makes sense to pass around then. Cause when I was still in school, you know, when they'd ask that question, like a trivia challenge, oh, yeah. the biggest town in uh Texas, but yeah, it's well, and also because it's Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington, and then there's like right. a million places. You know, I I got into Denton, McKinney, right? I done some drugs up in some of those cities when I was uh, a young and <laughs> driving down there. Uh, you know, good times. Uh, but yeah, Dallas, fun, crazy place. Real quick, while we're speaking of that place, I will say the Six Flags over Texas in Arlington, Texas. There, it is the. I will say it's the best theme park in America for my money. I don't know. I just love it. I grew up going there. So maybe I'm biased, but I've went to a bunch of six flags since then. Uh, to, I went to the one in Houston, I went to one in San Antonio. I've been to universal studios. I've been to quite a few theme parks and I'll just will say for the number of awesome roller coasters in that Dallas six flags, it's just the best. I just want everyone out there to know that has ever been to Dallas. I went there once last year, the first time in, I guess, close to 20 years I'd even been there. And, uh, I, They'd added some even new roller coasters since the last time I was there, and it's just it was massive. I couldn't believe the the way it has grown. Right, I when I when I was real young, I hated roller coasters because uh, my aunt took me on this squirrel cage Ferris wheel thing and just flipped it the whole time and scared the shit out of me. And uh, so I, I hated all the that stuff. And then when I was like eight or nine, I went with my best friend to the one down in Dallas and. Their family had a little more money than my family. So they were the type that stayed the night. And we went two days in a row. And I was like, this is crazy. Uh, so while there, he was like, you have to ride roller coasters. That's the only fucking reason we're here. You know, he was like really peer pressured me into it. So I I didn't. I rode all the roller coasters and then I loved it. You know, by the end of those two days, I was like, roller coasters are the best thing ever. And uh, yeah, the Titan is the newest one. The last time I went, that was the newest roller coaster they had. And it is still the only roller coaster where, like, I kind of feel scared still. I'm like, motherfucker, that was a steep one. Yeah, and it's just crazy fast, too, man. It's insane. But it's also huge. The last time I'd been there before last year was the year the Titan opened. It was in 01. I can remember the year, too. So it it was uh, almost 20 years. Right. I had a friend uh, in my class that... 
he would claim that he was there the opening weekend of the Titan opening. And when he was on it, the car got stuck at the top and they were stuck for hours and hours. And then he was also there the day that Mr. Freeze opened and it got stuck at the top and they were still, you know, like he was just one of those people. And, uh, that always stuck with me for whatever reason. I can, you know, I still picture his face, his little lion ass. That did happen on the Titan. I remember hearing about it, like right after it opened. I don't know if it was the first day or not, but right. I remember hearing it on the news around here about it getting stuck up there. And there was like several hours, but of course he could have just heard that story and been like, oh, yeah, right. me. <laughs> it's exactly what happened. I think, um, now again, yeah, I've known some pathological liars like that over the years. That you can't believe a word that comes out of their mouth. Yeah. I, I remember there was this one kid, uh, he lived a couple blocks away from me. So we would walk home from school most days and he would just tell the craziest stories. But I knew he would, I knew like 85% of what he would say was just going to be a lie, but it'd be like, yeah, today I fought, you know, this one kid who was like, you know, the biggest and baddest dude in his class. He's like, yeah, I beat the shit out of him, but no one will say anything. They're all keeping quiet about it. (laughs) You're like, all right, man. (laughs) But I I would love walking home. I would love walking home with him. Like, I wonder what he's going to talk about today. (laughs) I wonder what kind of bullshit he's going to throw my way today. <laughs> right. That's how it always, always worked. Um, so I do know you've listened to this podcast a little bit, or at least once. And uh, I've a few episodes, yeah. Have, do you have any like random ass topics you'd want to talk about? Because my podcast has no limits. You know, we don't have to say about music. You know, do you have any? Uh, my, oh. Last week, a week ago, I had this conspiracy theory thought that I feel really good about even now that. The vaccines are because we're going to meet the aliens. So they let us know about the UFOs because the aliens, when they come down, don't want us to get them sick. So they gave the government these vaccines. You know, it's all bullshit, but it's me being kind of funny. And I think it's really good. Like when I think about it, I'm like, fuck, it's so good. I want someone to like take that and run with it. Just like really get into it. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that's all I'm saying is nothing's off limits. Oh, man. Like. Like I'm trying to think, we want to go total bullshit, or we want to like get something that's like has some, you know, basis in reality. You know, I mean, because like there, there is like the government's declassifying a lot of shit about aliens as of late. So there's, right. there's, it seems to be like a lot of non-story, but it, it, there might be some interesting little tidbits here and there. So I'm, I'm withholding judgment until I learn more. Right. I mean, I want it to be true. Like I'm a, I want to believe top person. So I, I try to check a lot of my stuff at the door on the UFOs. Uh, Cause I'll see every shitty grainy video and I'm like, yeah, probably, probably is. Um, it could but, happen. It could be a trick of the light. It could be a fucking weather balloon. Like they say, or it could be a, a damn spaceship. But if you look at all those fucking stars that are out there in the night sky and tell me there's what, what are the odds? There's not, at least one more star out there that has a planet floating around it similar to ours that could sustain life right. and has developed life on it. It's the the odds against it are staggering. And there there almost has to be other life sustaining planets out there. I don't see how there could not be. Right. I mean like I'm kind of of the belief system these days. You know, I got really into ancient aliens when it came out and was like, oh this shit's pretty good. And one thing that really stuck with me was the Sumerians who had their first written language, like their creation story, I always thought was pretty interesting that they said that uh the gods came down from the clouds, you know, so you'd like imagine ships or whatever, and then they forced the people to mine gold for them and then they left. And I'd just have been like what if that, like, you know, or what if that is how it really went down at the beginning? Like, that'd be fucking crazy. Um, but I also think of, like, with all the technology, it seems like we would have captured them, you know, on video better. Or maybe they quit coming around. Or maybe they have such good technology there. Like, with the alien talk, you can always 
there's another level of what if, you know, like, because if someone could really travel across the universe to Earth, that means their technology is so far more advanced than anything we can really even imagine at the moment that they could do anything, you know, and they'd be like, well, actually, yeah. the aliens could be. And you're like, yeah, I guess they could. So I think that's what makes it really interesting to me. As far as we know, they might be have cloaking devices and they might have ships sitting around all the fucking time watching us and we just don't see them. Right, like, uh, they could just look like humans. What if they just have a technology that's like, I have a cloaking device that makes right. them look just like a human and they're just walking around and uh, it's just like every f- dumb movie we've ever watched where they're like, oh, I actually love Earth and I'm not going, you know, it's Coneheads. It's just Coneheads. <laughs> that's what's really going on. <laughs> Coneheads, third rock from the sun, you know, any of those. Right. Men in Black. My favorites as a kid. I love Third Rock from the Sun as a kid. And even now, I've gone back and rewatched it. It is funny. And I'm like, why do I like this as a kid, though? I don't understand what <laughs> with Jimmy Chen. That's what I need to go back and watch again. I haven't seen that in a long time. I, I, it was like, on I never Netflix. Caught it when it was, but, I never caught it when it was new very often. I catch it once in a while. So I wasn't really like into it. But I, every time I saw it, it was just fucking hilarious. Right. It is very good. I mean, John Lithgow's just a great actor, and then I think all the cast is just across yeah, the board the whole really cast good. Was amazing, but Lithgow is one of the one of the greatest fucking actors. Like he's like a bit of like Tom Hanks as far as versatility, right? Because he could play a, he could be just hilarious, and he could play a complete sociopath the next minute. You know, right? I don't know if you have ever seen Dexter, but he does a season. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. He does a season yeah. of Dexter that like ruins the rest of the whole show. Not ruin it, but just in comparison, oh. you're like nothing's gonna be live yeah. up to that season. <laughs> Exactly, like that—that that was the be-all, end-all of that series. Yeah, so that—that uh, that is coming back, by the way. I heard. Uh, yeah, I've heard that too. What was his name? The uh, oh, Lithgow's character, the, the, the Trinity. They had for the Trinity, Trinity killer, killer. That's right, because yeah. he always killed in threes. Was like, or so they thought. I think they wound up figuring out that there was actually four, but they weren't connecting the dots on them previously. Was, yeah. I don't know. It was. It was, like, was a fucking amazing. Season. He would like force was people the whole show. to commit suicide, and someone else he would. Slit the rest in the back. Like he had like certain things he did. Like he was in, I remember the first time I really saw Lithgow in a serious dramatic role was a movie called Ricochet back in like the early nineties with Denzel. I think it's like Denzel's first roles as a leading man. And uh, Denzel was a, a cop that had made detective and was like uh, trying to get work his way up to a Senator or some shit. And uh, Lithgow was a guy he'd put away that, managed to escape from prison and was coming back for vengeance. And it was, Ooh man, Lithgow could play a sociopath better than just damn near anybody. But yeah, I've been in general, they don't make as many movies anymore. And so I, I try to be, try not to say like, they don't make good movies anymore. I just don't watch movies anymore. I watch TV shows. That's about it. And I'll watch old movies, but like a new movie, it's pretty hard for me to like get into it. Cause they're all superhero shit these days for the most part. Not that I'm against superheroes completely. I, I just didn't grow up, you know, with that being like my favorite thing in the world. So uh, it's a little gone overboard for me. And uh, but yeah, like Denzel Washington was the shit when I was in high school. Like when Training Day came out, it was like, oh, my God, this dude's so good. And then like I remember American Gangster and then everyone like when I was like I said, in high school, would be like my man, you know, because everybody was doing their Denzel shit. <laughs> yeah, And then like Man on Fire was one of his uh, best roles ever. Right, I think John Q. Uh, there was a bunch of them. They're just back to back yep. to back, and then they, every one of them were awesome. And he always played bass with the same character, but everyone 
I used to always feel like I went to the movies a lot too. Uh, I had a, a friend, the same one I went to Six Flags with actually, like I said, his parents or his, his family just had a little money, you know, so we would go to Wichita Falls, Texas every weekend and his mom would drop us off at the mall to go watch a movie and do whatever. And so like every weekend we would see a movie. So like, I just felt like I watched every movie when I was growing up because of that, like in all of them in the theater. Yeah. I had a stint like that when I was in the military and I was going to school down in Orlando. And, uh, like that's all we had to do. So like th- three or four nights a week, we would go to watch a movie because it's like, what the hell is I was like 19, 20 years old. I couldn't go out drinking. Uh, just like there was limited stuff you could do. Like on a Wednesday night in Orlando at 19 years old. So we, we to watch a lot of movies. That seemed like every movie that was out that summer. So, right. And I remember when I first got to college, uh, I got kicked out of the dorms really quickly for smoking pot in the dorms. And, uh, then I had to like get an apartment and it sucked and it was really expensive and I, you know, I was barely making it. But so with my limited amount of money, I would go to Hastings, uh, RIP Hastings, and they had these buy two used DVDs, get a used one free. And so I would just go through all their used DVD bins like every week and I'd buy three movies and because it was cheaper than renting them. And so I was just like, all right, we're buying three old DVD. I would just buy like all these old ass fucking movies. But it was great. You know, in hindsight, I enjoyed them all. Yeah, I used to shop the uh, when Blockbuster was still a thing. I would shop there, you know, previously owned or previously rented ones a lot. You get good deals on those. I know my Zach and Mary make a porno DVD is a Blockbuster exclusive. It says it all on it. <laughs> it's like Blockbuster. Uh, it's like on the movie. cover. Yeah, it's that good. Was a great. That's a great freaking movie, though. I love Kevin Smith um, and, you know, he directed it and. I love Seth Rogen. And so there was them to come together. And when I first got into podcasting, yeah, when I first got into podcasting, one of the podcasters I listened to the most was Kevin Smith. He has a few different podcasts and he was like uh, one of the forefathers of it all, you know, one of the earlier people. And yep. he actually didn't smoke pot. If he tells a story, um, even though he made, you know, clerks and on Jay and Silent Bob, you know, like they're like little stoners. He actually never smoked pot. And then it really wasn't for him. And he didn't start until they were editing Zach and Miriam make a porno. So he was like in his 40s and he just asked Seth Rogen. He was like, how do you how do you get so much done and smoke so much? And I've kind of feel like Seth Rogen. He's just like, I just do it. You know, like I just, I just smoke pot and then I work, you know, I just, how I do it. Like it doesn't affect me at all like that. And so like Kevin Smith seeing Seth Rogen, it like inspired him to try it, you know, or whatever. And then since then he's been a stoner, but like since he's made Zach and Mary make a porno and he's lost That's a bunch hilarious. of weight and all that stuff. That. But yeah. And so he lost a lot of weight, but he had some health problems and shit too. And he had to go vegan and everything also. Yeah. And, that was actually around the time I quit listening was after he lost a bunch of weight, nothing against it. But one of the ways he started to, I remember him talking about is there's this book called sides and I've, it, this has stuck with me cause I'm not skinny at all. And so I'm probably like, could be fatter, but you know, anyway, I could lose some weight. And so I think about this diet cause it sounds like kind of easy, but kind of hard. But in this sides thing for the first month, you eat nothing but plain potatoes, like a baked potato. So like you can't add butter or salt or anything. And that's all you eat for every meal. And it's like, it's the train your body that you just don't care about the taste or what the food is. And then like, then you slowly build back adding other side dishes. And then that's how he first lost a bunch of weight. And then he got on Jenny Craig or some shit, weight watcher or something like that. So uh, instead of just a regular baked potato, can I like just take mine in the form of vodka? Right. Yeah. There you go. That sounds like a potato. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm always like my mom lost a bunch of weight when I was in high school. She lost like 100 pounds on the Atkins diet, like right when the Atkins diet blew up, like when the books were still out and stuff. And 
it was awesome. I mean, I was like, you know, really proud of her and stuff, but that's not realized. Like I'm nothing like her. Like she has so much willpower where she's like, I just won't do this. And then I've tried my whole life. But like if I try to die, I'm like, fuck that. I just, I'm an adult and I'm just going to go eat what I want. You know, like I just don't have that, like, uh, stop myself for the better tomorrow sort of filter in my brain. Yeah. I've, I've gone through periods where I was doing that. And like, I've got down under 200 pounds for the first time in like 20 years. Uh, about two years ago now, and but it it didn't last. I couldn't stick with it. Right, I got for my wedding. I got down about two twenty, and that's probably like the weight in which I look. I'm 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 sure someone would say I would look better at like one eighty or whatever. My like the little chart says I should be at, but I have a big fucking head. So like if I got any skinnier than I was, I think my head would look just way too big. Um, so I could all fall on a T right exactly so uh <laughs> I just tried to be like well that would be my goal weight if I could ever ever do it again but you know with this whole quarantine year um I had very little inspiration or motivation to do it and then I've gotten as I get older I just drink more sweet ass coffee with a bunch of sugar so it's my problem I did cut the sugar that's one thing that I cut when I was uh when I did lose all that weight was I got used to drinking my coffee with just a little bit of the powdered cream because there's no sugar in it mm-hmm. it's just a little bit of fat and uh because I was how I was doing was I was intermittent fasting and so I like I quit consuming calories at like 8 p.m and didn't consume anything with any sugars in it at all until noon the following day and that worked was very effective but because um, your body enters in a state of ketosis and it'll, right. it starts, you know, burning f- fat stores instead for the last two to four hours of that, depending on how long you're doing it. And uh, but like during that, I couldn't have I was just using a little bit of sugar in my coffee. And the dude that was like the nutritionist guy I was talking to is like, man, you can't do that. That's you're just defeating the purpose right there. That one teaspoon of sugar kills your fast. And I'm like, fuck. So I got into the habit of not drinking any sugar in my coffee and I, I've at least stuck with that since so I just put a little bit of cream in there and that's it. Yeah. I need to work on it. Uh, I just probably need to just cut out coffee. I should just go to straight water I, and I'm probably going to this summer, you know, it gets too hot here in Oklahoma, which I'm sure, you know, down in Dallas where I'm just like, I don't know how we do this coffee thing in the summer, but I know people do it. Man, I got to have it in the morning. Dude. I don't know. Given that that's the thing is I'm not quite there yet. You know, I, I've been giving it up during the summer for the last couple of years and I didn't really drink it much before that, but my wife loves it. And so, you know, she makes a huge pot of it. And so I feel like, well, right, I'll drink some and I, I don't dislike it. Like I've said, it's delicious. Um, but there are times where I'm like, I just feel like I need a break <laughs> from all this coffee. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I'm, I probably should. I've cut back at times you know, where I would only drink like one cup a day, but I've been drinking three and four cups a day now for quite a while. Right. Yeah. So. Mine's like at four cups a day, just about every day. Um, and then every once in a while, I'll, I'll just do two. And I'm like, yeah, this is way better. And I even feel like I feel better. <laughs> I should do this, but it's so hard uh, to do that. Like I have a person I work with that like if they don't have coffee yet, they are a different person. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's crazy. <laughs> like I didn't I'm not like that. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, sometimes I kind of feel that way, but <laughs> it's not like I, back when I was before COVID, when I was still working in the office um, for my day job, I would usually just take a bottle of water to work with me and I would just drink that on the way in and I'd get a cup of coffee after I got there. But and I drink one or two cups and that'd be good. And I'd drink water the rest of the day. And I got really into that habit. But being at home all day, I developed some shitty habits. Right. Yeah, and I'm the type uh I do all the grocery shopping as well. So 
I'll come home. My wife's like, why did you buy Snickers ice cream bars? I'm like, because they look delicious. And she's like, you know, you shouldn't have done that. I'm like, yeah, we'll eat them. She's like, that's the problem. <laughs> like, she just does. Uh, I got, exactly. I'm not the one that should be in charge of this, but I am. By putting a kid in charge of the candy store. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and I still buy like a bunch of sugary cereals and she doesn't care much for cereal. Um, and she's like, why are you buying all the cereals? Like, because I love cereal. She's like, I don't. I'm like, well, I guess I didn't think of that through. More for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, uh, you know, she likes she like Cheez-Its, which I'm like, ah, it's just not my thing. Crackers. I like those, too. I like there's there's not a whole hell of a lot of food I don't like. to be <laughs> Right. That's on. That's true. The older I get, uh, I've definitely expanded my palate, I will say, to all the snack foods. Yeah. My daughter, she doesn't have a she's 13 now and she's not doesn't have an overly developed palate. Let's say. Yeah, she she's gonna hate me for saying that if she ever listens to this, but uh, she, she likes what she likes, you know, and she usually sticks with that. So I have stuff that I keep on hand, mostly just for her, and a lot of it's stuff that I won't even touch. I'm like, that's I don't want that sweet shit. But and you you get out of the habit of eating so much sweet stuff, and like I've gotten back into that, but ever since quarantine, it I've been eating a lot more sweets, and I need to start scaling that back again. But it's it's hard. Right. Yeah. And it really is. Uh, I'll just get in a habit of it. You know, like friends, I love meat. you know, like growing up the way I, I did. And even now, like when I met my wife, she was a vegetarian. And uh, the idea that I wouldn't eat meat is the craziest shit in the world to me. Right. Like I'm a big fan. Like if I don't have meat with a meal, I'm like, it's not even a real meal, but it's a snack. Exactly. But like apparently, scientifically speaking, if I could go a week without eating meat, like the whole biome of my stomach enzymes would change and I wouldn't feel that way anymore. Right. Like my brain wouldn't be like, I have to have meat. Like it would literally change because it would get used to it. And then I would all of a sudden be like, Hey, I like the shit. That's not me. But like, I, I won't do that myself. You know, like I won't dig through the plunge. I can't make it to those first few days of changing. I'm just like, Oh fuck it. I know what I like. I'm going to go to the gas station and get some chicken strips or whatever. You know, like I just, Sure, I could, but I don't want to. I'm right. a proud omnivore. I love that. There's like three vegetables or so that I won't eat, and that's it. I eat all of the rest of them, and damn near all meat. I don't care for venison because I just don't like that gamey taste to it. But I'll eat elk, and I'll eat gator. I'll eat you know beef, pork, chicken, turkey, you name it. I'm duck. I'm all over it, man. But, yeah, we have some venison in our freezer at the moment. My father-in-law is a big hunter, and. I've come around to it. It's not that bad. Uh, now, I only get roasts. And, you know, the roast the crock pot all day. It'll get the game, you know, eventually out of it. And then we have, uh, they're like back straps, but they're, they're not. They're tenderloin, but they're hammered out to be like steaks. And I'll chicken fry those. And they are delicious. They're like the, the house favorite around here. Like, that's where my wife, like, eats all the meat. And I'm like, how do you love this? But you were like, when I first met you, you wouldn't eat any meat. My dad used to be a big hunter, and he'd go deer hunting every every fall at my grandparents' place up in Colorado when I was a kid, and he always brought one back. And I went up there and got to take down one deer when I was 19, like right before I went off to the military. And that was when I decided I'd, I realized I'd disacquired the taste for it. I used to love it growing up, but I've, I've had it cooked a hundred different ways. But my dad used to make those chicken fried steak patties out of that right. same same thing, just like you're talking about. And as a kid, I loved those. Right. I mean, I'll even say like that they're 
I'm a big fan now. Growing up, my dad doesn't hunt or anything. Um, like he's the type, but he just didn't for some reason. Uh, but I'd go to a friend's house and they'd have like deer stew and stuff. And I would always think it was really gamey. Um, and it would kind of mean, but not all I'd ever really want to be deer jerky. Like if I went to a friend's house, I had deer jerky. I was like, oh, this is the shit. You know, this is great. But uh, I've come around maybe because I cook it. I've also learned if I cook something, there's like 500% more chance that I'll like it, you know, versus if someone else cooks something. Yeah, I can see that. Like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, for instance, I don't like a lot of vegetables or there's quite a few of them that I'm like, not really my thing. Like, I don't really love onions, but I will cook with onions all the time. And it doesn't bother me at all. But like, if I go to a restaurant, I'm like, is there onions in this shit? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't trust you. Take that shit out. I don't, you know, I don't know why. But that's uh, the way my that's brain funny. works. I guess because I, like my daughter, man, she doesn't like them at all either. She'll, she'll pick them out of shit. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't like raw onions. Uh, like I want them carb. Like I'll caramelize all the onions before any dish I make, you know, because I'm like, I don't want them too all bitter and stuff. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm still picky from time to time. <laughs> so man um is there anything else we can talk about i would need I, your podcast just so everyone knows does come out wednesdays it's not like just today's because this thing but like just in general every wednesday right are you considering doing more because it sounds like you know you get some built up uh stashed up is that something you've thought of doing in the future um, well, I like to have I like to batch those so that I can edit them, and I don't have I'm not like I think we talked about this before, so I'm not scrambling like to try to find somebody to record an episode before, so I can get it out for the next week. I like to book it all like over the course of like two weeks, I'll book six to eight you know, interviews, and I'll do those, and then I'll have the next month and a half to two months worth of interviews recorded and ready to go. So, and I'll usually edit them down like within the last week before the the air. Like I started editing our episode this morning because I know next week's going to be a really busy week, but um, yeah, it's been airing on Wednesdays for about three or four months. Now it was Mondays, but I, I kept having a hard time getting everything ready over the weekend. Cause I'd had other shit going on over the weekend. So like, I'm start doing it on Wednesdays instead. So. Yeah. I always think as long as you have it somewhat consistently, it's all that really, it doesn't really matter what day of the week, you know, one of my favorite podcasts these days, is Tim Dillon's podcast, and it comes out Sunday morning and I listen to it every Sunday I go grocery shopping and I just listen to it while I go grocery shopping. Um, but it's the only one, like no other podcast I subscribe to comes out on Sundays. And I'm always like, man, I, maybe that, maybe I'm missing out. Maybe I should jump it on the Sunday bandwagon. It can't be the most optimal time, but you never know. Right. Um, Maybe I should make my own Sunday school podcast and then have that come out on Sundays. I do have plans for another show. It's going to be just more. It's kind of like your uh, Monday shows that are just kind of topical, you know, you know, current event type things. Right. I've got a, a buddy of mine that's going to be I'm probably going to have for my co-host, but we haven't. He lives a little ways away and it's kind of hard to get together. I would like to sit down and do it in person for the as whenever we can, I think it would be better. You know, face to face is always, it just has a different energy, you know? So. Right. I mean, you know, get nothing against the calling ones. But yeah. Face having someone in person, it's a, a different energy. They can read your face. You know, I, I get like listeners yeah. can't, but it goes a long way to them knowing when they can come in. Like you'll notice on any podcast where someone calls in, you know, like I'm going to go in and cut all the little silences to my best of my ability or whatever, but there's going to be times people talk over each other. Cause they're not, you know, even the most professional podcasts out there. And now that they're doing call-ins that just happens. I mean, you can watch ESPN 
And if they're each doing it from their house, they all start over talking each other and stuff. So um, it is definitely an issue. But, you know, you make I've it only through. Done, yeah, I've only done three episodes sitting down face to face with someone. The first one was my brother. We did a swap cast. He has a, a podcast all about the Hawaii comedy scene. That's where he lives. He lives over on Oahu. And uh, he's just he's a stand up himself. And uh the other one I had two uh, I had a local promoter on and then a local like singer songwriter guy on recently, Jake Ferris. And and uh those are the only three I've done that were actually face to face sitting right here. It was it was always nice, you know. Right. Well it's like I, I've never made music uh maybe not ever, maybe a couple of times, but I very rarely have made music with anyone in person, like where I'm at. Like all my collabs are with people online. Um, except yeah. very rare occasions. And I'm always like, oh, how cool would it be to not do it online you know it seems like it would probably go a lot easier a lot better yeah i guess it could uh it depends on what you're playing like we talked about earlier you know it's like five people in a room all trying to write a song together it you know it, it it it's amazing how well like we've got a chemistry built you know so we, we kind of all vibe pretty well sometimes it's just like one of us just isn't feeling it and it's usually me i'm usually the one that's kind of slow to come around to some of the newer stuff but <laughs> but uh yeah, we'll. It just comes together, man. Like one of us start playing a riff on the guitar, and the bass starts matching it, and the drum comes in and starts doing his thing, and then the the singer will just start singing a nonsensical words or some like he'll just like bust out some like old song like singing the lyrics to it over this music, and he'll come up with words later on, you know, but just something as a placeholder just to kind of get his pacing down for it, and. Before you know, it's a damn song. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, that's my favorite part of the whole music process is the m- moment that like, oh, that's a whole song that's done. Like that one moment of you're like, it now exists. Like, that's my favorite part. So that's probably why I'm not very good at sharing stuff or marketing, because like I want people to listen, but it's not my favorite part. My favorite part's like when I'm like, hey, I made something that didn't exist before. Yeah. The, the marketing and promotion is it's a lot of work, especially when you're doing multiple brands at once. Like I do, right. like I have my personal brand that I work on on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. I have my, the podcast here and uh, the agency that I'm have kind of put on back burner for a little bit, build out the podcast and get, you know, recovered from, you know, COVID economics and all that kind of good stuff. But um, then I've got the band that I've managed most of our socials for that too. So it's just, that's a full-time job in itself right there. Right. Well, in the most uh, like mainstream and popular people, like once you start learning, the more you kind of dig into it is like most of their shit's fake, you know? And then you're like, Oh man. So to even compete, you got to do some like weird fake shit. If you want to, you know, like I, my friends, I have never, uh, I've like bought fake plays for anything myself. Um, but I understand where people think they should or they need to because it all for you to compete or to to make you look good for this certain type of person that would only listen to you if you nerd numbers like i understand everyone's thought process it just sucks that it's that way you know that's always my thought about it all yeah and that person that won't that won't listen to you unless you you're getting like you know at least a hundred thousand or a quarter million streams a month fuck them i don't need them <laughs> i'll find some, i'll find those quarter million people without you right I mean, it's it's a crazy world. And then, um, does your band have any plans at the moment for music in the future? Yeah, we're working on. We've got a uh, sound guy that's uh, 
we've been working with. He's uh, an engineer, and we're going to find a spot to do it, and we're going to get some recordings done. We've been in discussions Ooh. about it now for a little while. Hey, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hopefully, we're hoping that maybe by the end of summer, early to mid-fall, we'll probably have some actual recordings. But it's just, it's a... It's a hell of a task to get that done. There's way more work involved than what I had even dreamt there would be. I mean, good luck on that because that, that does sound crazy. Um, if you want, y'all have some stuff recorded, of course, send it over to the podcast. You know, we'll play it. I definitely will. I'll definitely hit you up about it. I'm sure we'll be talking in the meantime. Yeah, definitely. And um, oh, I was like, what happened? My wife came and got my dog out of here. <laughs> so good, good move back here. Um, well, man, I don't really think I have much else. Let me see if I have anything random in my notes here. I don't think I've even been thinking of stuff. Um, yeah, not really. Are you the type of person that loves playing cards? I like playing poker a little bit, but not enough to like, actually. I've never actually sat down and played. I've played online on little stupid little apps, but I've never actually sat at a table and played poker. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm the same way. I would, I'm, I'm not a big card in person person for whatever reason uh and i think it annoys like my wife and other friends of mine who really enjoy that stuff they like they like to get together and play board games and i think video games just ruin me the more i think about it i'm like yeah. uh i just you know like i liked when i play monopoly and i just hit the button and it rolls a dice and the guy moves for me and then it builds a little construction house <laughs> like like it's cool on a video game let's do that Played a lot when I was a kid, you know. But that's, that's what the hell we had to do. Like, I didn't have a Game Boy. I had a deck of cards. I'd play solitaire, you know. Before we could play it on the computer, I had an actual deck of fucking cards playing solitaire, digging it out myself. So. Right? Yeah. I mean, but, I remember like, when I was in the Navy, we'd play. Uh, I'd play spades like every fucking day. Like we'd we'd play like me. I had a buddy of mine. We'd partner play partners, and we'd we'd play motherfuckers for money, and we we'd clean house playing spades. But that was a long time ago. Right. And that's what I've always had. I was like, if there was nothing else to do, I get how it would be fun because it's a game and their strategy and all that. But just like when I'm at my house and it's like I have all the other things in the world, it's just I'm never thinking cards. You know, it's just never hitting my mind. Yeah, I've got a deck of cards in my closet back there that I, I think I might have taken them out of the pack one time to like play a game with my daughter once. And then that, that's it. They've been in the box. I've had them for several years. Right. And and I've done some online poker, uh, you know, before. So I'm familiar with that, but it's just easier to not have to actually touch the cards in real life. Chess is my game, though. I love playing chess. I'm not great at it. I'm the I, same way. Uh, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. There, there have been times in my life where people have thought I was good, but I don't know if I was ever really good. You know, it was one of those things. Like, uh, I remember my great grandfather taught me how to play chess. And not many of my friends knew how to play, um, but like junior high, some other kid knew how to play. And it was one of those like game days and I beat him in three moves. And it's uh, you, you I mean, it has to just be a coincidental thing that happens. But I was so proud. Um, it's like you move uh, the pawn in front of the queen and then your bishop goes over. And if they just move half in the right one, then their king is just trapped by your bishop. And it just happened to work out. And like after that day, everyone thought I was just like some fucking chess genius in my class. And that was really just all luck, but it, I was very proud of it at the, at the time. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. Anyway, good old memories. Good old memories. Yep. Um, all right, man. Well, I guess I'll let you go. Um, you know, of course, like I said, everyone go check out your uh, podcast, of course. And uh, if you ever need me back, let me know. I'm sure I can rant or, you know, 
just talk about nothing for however long. <laughs> Absolutely, man. If I get this other one going, we're gonna have to get you on there too to just to like talk, come up with your, some of our best conspiracy theories and just just go on a deep dive down the rabbit hole on those. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, how ridiculous we can get. I mean, on my Monday episodes, like you mentioned, I mean, honestly, a lot of it is is current events ish stuff, but it's like. Hey, here's the news. And I think the left and or right are reacting in a way that the left and or right would react in this other situation. Like that's become what a what it's become for me because yep. I just can't stand the hypocrisy of the world. And so and both sides are just equally as fucked up. <laughs> right. I agree. And I have some liberal friends and they'll say that it's unfair to say that they're equal because, you know, Trump was actually so much worse with. And I'll be like, OK, he said worse things, but I'm saying like a results driven thing for like the black community of inner cities. Neither party's done shit. You know, like there's just certain things you can look at, like statistics. You're like, show me what you've done, not what you've talked about and not what you said on Twitter. Like, what are some real fucking things? And uh, I don't know. People they're all social justice warriors, which I think started off as probably a good a good thing, but it's definitely got a negative connotation, and it annoys me. Yeah, it's like anything you take something good and like kind of bastardize it, and right, it becomes a movement, and then everybody wants to jump on board for every stupid fucking thing. It's like it's like the Me Too movement when it first started. It, there was a good good reason for that, you know, and, but it's kind of gone overboard now. We're like. Every little thing, like the the whole Louis C.K. stuff, man, I'm still pissed off at Louis for not steering into the skid on that one. He should have just been like, yeah, I asked her if I could jerk off in front of her. She said yes, so fuck her if she doesn't like it. But if he had done that, more people would have had respect for him and would have stuck with him, I think. But eh, yeah, you know, that was his call, not mine. So. Right. I mean, this is definitely a thing. Uh, I don't think about it a whole lot, but in my mind, I'm like, I do think it's gotten to a place for those scenarios where um I was always like, hey, if you ask, you know, that's getting consent or whatever. But it's to the point like, no, even if you ask, there's this underlying, even if they say yes, it really didn't mean yes, because there's this other power. You know, there's a system in place in which they feel like they have to say yes. So the yes doesn't count. And then I that's probably where I get a little confused. I'm like, oh, man, how many times were when I was younger? Was that yes a real yes, or was it because she needed a ride home? You know, or like I don't know. Like it starts making you got question your whole life a little bit. You're like, oh, there's new rules, and then they just uh, I don't know. And I've said this plenty on the podcast. I just I've always felt like a liberal my whole life, and then the last few years somehow during Trump, which is a guy I didn't even like. I said on this podcast many times I wasn't a fan, but during his pressy, I somehow started feeling less like a liberal, even though my beliefs and most things didn't change you know like i still believe in uh equal rights and all these other things and stuff but it's like somehow staying in the same place i've shifted which i guess that's how progress works or whatever but it's definitely made me defensive god damn it it's funny because i had the exact opposite effect but because of the same person because i was more much more conservative for a long time and but it was really trump who made me kind of wake up and realize the absurdity that was going on on the right was just as bad as the absurd bullshit they were saying on the left so right and so i mean i I voted libertarian the last two times so i guess i'm more i didn't vote i'm like fuck it i'm like i can't (laughs) vote for either one of these two perverts you want want the creepy old white dude or the creepy old white dude no fuck both of them right i mean i respect that um i just i like the libertarians uh general thought process yeah same so i i definitely enjoy that so i guess if if republicans are really about small government 
um, I think I would maybe think about it, but it's about like, no big government that forces religious rules on a whole population. And the Democrats are big government that forces, uh, some sort of like social moralistic rules on a whole population. I don't know. I just, I'm like, why are we forcing shit on people? I don't like this. I think we can make good decisions on our own. Damn it. I concur. If, and if I thought the libertarian party had any snowballs chance in hell, I would have gone that route too, but they've, Already, the narrative has been written about that particular movement by both other sides. Well, of course, because so they're in on together. There, there's no chance they'll it's ever like, make it. So. Why? Why would Coke and Doctor Pep or Coke and Pepsi allow, you know, this new startup company to start selling shit in their vending machines? It's exactly what this is. Like exactly. they make it where you can't even get on uh certain elections and shit without getting these crazy signatures uh it's all fucked but i i just have to fight the good fight and hope that someday enough people are like fuck it we're voting third party to just fuck now what it'll never happen because of what you just said and too many people think that they're like well i'm gonna stick with my guy because it'll never work but uh i i just can't do this lesser of two evil things i've decided that will not be something i do myself that's why that's why i've abstained because I, i knew there was no point in the third party yet but I see it trending that way. I believe in probably the next 10 to 20 years, third, we'll have third viable third parties. Right. So well, I, I think it's moving that direction and uh, well, that's a good thing for sure. And I think really term limits on Congress would solve a lot of that. Yeah. You, you, when you have like motherfuckers that have been in Congress for 40 plus years, they're 80 some years old. They've been there since they were in their like late thirties. It's like, this is absurd. Why, why are you still there? And you know, honestly, I don't know how you would do it. There's even some, though, that have been there a while where you're like, hey, you know what? You actually seem like you're working and trying stuff. And then there's the others that aren't. Like, I don't know how you would discriminate, you know, choose between the two. But like some people like just they don't they run unopposed every year. Like, it's oh, just yeah. it's just nothing. Just nothing for them to waste a good 40 Two years. Terms. That's it. Out. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Know, they set that off the board and all both both the House and the Senate. Two terms. That's all you can do. Get the fuck out. Don't come back. Then, you know, maybe you can like do the house for two terms and you could like run for Senate and do terms over two terms over there. I could see that. But you can only do two terms in any one, just like the presidency. That would solve a lot of this ingrained power struggle shit that we have. See, I don't I I think it would. The lobbyists would still be there. So it would probably right. still want to, to be your shit. Right. I mean, I think it's going to be like a six in one hand, half dozen the other scenario, because, I mean, instead of being the old right. guard that's there used to getting the money it's new people that they bribe i think people are still gonna get bribed but um uh, we're fucked yeah probably that's what we're at the end of rome damn it but we'll see how it goes you're gonna do what i'm gonna do and fuck them all yeah i mean i uh, hope they don't hope washington doesn't screw it up too badly well, the last thing i'll for real last thing i'll end on is i've lately because my wife's even like she's like pretty super liberal but i've been slowly talking about you know china and the threat of china not in like a crazy trump sort of china way but like just in the like you know, by the time we're old, like they're the Chinese culture will probably be the number one culture in the world. We'll be watching Chinese shows with English subtitles and shit. Like, there, that's just the direction we're going. And like, you, I don't know if you just saw where John Cena he claimed Taiwan was a country because it fucking is, and then he had to come out and apologize to the country of China for saying the country of Taiwan was a country because the Chinese people don't believe it's really a country. And then like he has to like give a tearful apology about it, and he's speaking in Mandarin. And I'm like, what the fuck's happening in the world, man? It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And like all the all these movie posters come out in China with like, uh, you know, without any of the black characters on the poster. But yet, like 
the more liberal side that are like pro China aren't coming out and being like, Hey, they're racist towards black people or they're like mass genociding Muslim people in parts of the country. Like, you know, like no one's hating on any of that stuff. Cause the liberals kind of seem to like China for some reason. And I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know why we're, we love them at the moment. I don't quite get it. Their money. Yeah. But <laughs> their money's tied to a communist country that like, I don't know. I don't know. I get it. But they, they keep feeding it and they keep buying up all of our debt. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it all ends. They're teasing them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm curious to see the finale. That's all I'll say. <laughs> this TV show. But all right, man, I appreciate you coming on here. And uh, like I said, we'll have to do it again. Absolutely, Mo. Take it easy, brother.